0: Text SHOW to 33777.
1: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2.
0: Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of the program? Well, it is time to talk about a subject I put off for some time. It's kind of funny to uh, go to the Politico's website today and see the face of a good friend of mine, Russ Vogt, on the front page of Politico and the headline, Trump Allies prepare to infuse Christian nationalism in second administration. With the subheading heading, spearheading the effort is Russell Vote, president of the Center for Renewing America, part of a conservative consortium preparing for Trump's return to power, a return to power made more and more likely by Biden's continued presence in the race. Uh, I know, Russ, I've known Russ for a very long time. He is a good friend. He's the sort of person you want in a political administration. He cares deeply about the budget uh, and about his faith. And let me just explain to you uh, this, and I will use a quote from Ross Douthat of the New York Times, who said, if you didn't like the Christian right, wait till you meet the post-Christian right. The post-Christian right behaves exactly the way the left behaves in in, uh, their behaviors and performance, uh, their lack of actual goals, a a populism that's just the the outcome is to own the left, not to actually advance any goal. Rush's vote is actually a principled conservative, has been for a very long time. He's also a Christian. So what is uh, Russ's vote's view of... um, of, of how things should go in office. One of the bizarre uh, points quotes uh, William Wolfe. William Wolfe is someone who described himself as a Christian nationalist online. He worked with Russ at Heritage Action for America for a while, so they've tied the two together. But listen to this. Um, he calls for ending sex education in schools, surrogacy, and no-fault divorce throughout the country. And then... Pay attention, this is the outrageous moment. This is what it would mean to have Christian nationalists in the White House, according to the Politico. It would mean forcing men to provide for their children as soon as it's determined the child is theirs, which the Politico says, quote, is a clear incursion by the government into Americans' private lives. Now, they're attributing William Wolf's policy position to Russell Votes' policy position, but Rush, Russ, I know, shares this position, as do I. The Politico believes it is a clear incursion by the government into Americans' private lives for fathers to have to support their children. This is one of the, the great revelations of just how progressive Politico is, that they don't listen to the things that conservatives say, because for years, Planned Parenthood and abortion rights groups have said, well, if the right, if we passed a law that said men had to be responsible for covering the costs of children, the right would suddenly support abortion rights. And people on the right are like, we will gladly co sponsor the legislation with you. And they never do anything. It's like the gun control advocacy. Well, if we give every black man in America a gun, watch the right suddenly support gun control. We're like, we will gladly subsidize their ammunition for them. We think it's a great idea. And so the left doesn't pursue it. Do they not even listen to us? One of my favorite lines in this entire piece, I highlighted the absurdity of it this morning on social media. Vote, who declined to comment, is advising Project 2025, a governing agenda that would usher in one of the most conservative executive branches in modern American history. The effort is made up of a constellation of conservative groups run by Trump allies who've constructed a detailed plan to dismantle or overhaul key agencies in a second term. Among other principles, the project's mandate for leadership states that, quote, freedom is defined by God, not man. That's a quote from their mandate for leadership. Freedom is defined by God, not man. And I saw that and I thought, wow, where have I heard something like that before? And then I remembered a famous line written by, I guess now they would be called Christian nationalists. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I guess Thomas Jefferson, who redacted portions of the Bible, mostly the miracles, that uh, he disagreed with and ended it with uh, the crucifixion and death of Christ, not as resurrection in his redactions. I guess a man who didn't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is suddenly now a Christian nationalist. This is bizarre hysteria. It's not a coincidence that this piece comes out at the same time as Rob Reiner's documentary on Christian nationalism, which, by the way, I haven't seen it. I have not seen the Rob Reiner piece, but a dear friend of mine, Andrew Walker, actually has. And let me find his tweet right here. Um, he, He put up his review of it. And he makes a point that you've got to actually uh, pay attention to, because it's actually very, very important. This is from Andrew Walker, friend of mine. He's the is he the head of ethics. He's one of the ethics professors. Yes, ethics and public policy professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in in Kentucky. The Rob Reiner produced "God and Country" documentary was an exercise in assuaging progressive wrath. Did it rightly call out a lot of cringe and horrible theology done to defend Trump? Yes. Did it offer a mild qualification that not all conservative Christians are enemies of polite society? Yes, but only because the interviewees couldn't speak for all Christians. Did it also string together a historically simplified and exaggerated storyline? Yes. It did so while also framing opposition to LGBT ideology, CRT, abortion and feminism as markers of Christian nationalism. At one point, innuendos suggest the worldview formation is a marker of Christian nationalism. What was also very interesting is that they rely in the documentary on a German theologian and say that um, this German theologian was a Nazi sympathizer and that uh, it's clear where Christian nationalism comes from, except there's a problem. Uh, This particular theologian, I cannot remember his name now, um, was actually a progressive theologian. Most German theologians after Martin Luther became a a, – in the 1800s became liberal theologians – Very few, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of the exceptions. A lot of uh, the worst theology has come out of Germany in the last uh, 150, 200 years. And uh, the Nazis embraced a lot of uh, liberal theologians and could weave them into Nazism. Orthodox Christian theologians were rejected by the Nazis, a lot of them killed by the Nazis. It's just remarkable, though, that uh, Rob Reiner wants to build this case against Christian nationalism. And essentially, the objection is that if you're a Christian, you should not be able to practice what you preach. That goes back to Russ Vogt in their harassment of Christian nationalism, what it would mean for Russ Vogt to be in a White House run by Donald Trump. Russ Vote is a practicing a Baptist evangelical Christian, and he believes that fathers should be responsible for their children. And so he believes it is sound public policy that a law should be passed, that if you get a woman pregnant, you are financially responsible for the children. You do not get to abdicate your responsibility to the child. You would think that most people would want that public policy. That is what it means to be a Christian, to have fathers honor their families and take care of their families instead of pushing them off onto the government role. The father should be responsible. Sounds like it'd be great public policy. But because it comes from someone whose worldview is Christian and the Christians believe the father should take care of their children, well, suddenly what the left would otherwise like now becomes bad Christian nationalism. That's not to say there aren't some problems. Uh, Mike Flynn is a crazy, angry person who is uh, got his own cult of personality and they're weaving into it elements of Christendom, taking Christianity out of context in bad ways. And this is, well, Donald Trump might want to bring him into the White House. Hypothetically, maybe so, but will he actually do it? I suspect Russ Vogt has a better chance of getting to the White House than Mike Flynn. The fear-mongering, though, out there is just another way to try to uh, fear-monger, independent swing voters that we would have a handmaid's tale in America if Donald Trump gets elected to the White House. What's so hilarious is in the same story from Politico, they helpfully note that uh, Donald Trump actually doesn't have the strongest faith. That Donald Trump is not actually, uh, in any sense of the word, a committed man of faith. In fact, they're quite their precise words are, quote, Trump is not a devout man of faith. No, he's not. Uh, In multiple interviews over the years, including very recently, Donald Trump said he's never had to repent for anything. One of the hallmarks of Christianity is you repent of your sins. Uh, A lot of evangelical Christians say Trump is an ally, but not within the faith if he hasn't repented of his sins. But he's surrounded by people who are believers, therefore they must all be maligned. That's the moral of the story here. The members of the American press corps, most of them are not committed to their faith. Most of them have no faith. They worship themselves. And they quote people who hate people of faith to vilify people of faith. And they highlight someone like Russ Vot, a man of deep faith and integrity, to scare people about what it would mean to have a guy like that in the White House, a man who believes the words of Scripture, and so is an honest broker who deals honestly and transparently with people, who doesn't lie to people because he takes his faith seriously. He's committed to family and thinks public policy should be family first. Do you know one of the wild things in, in, in our government right now is that it penalizes people on government benefits who wish to get married because then it punishes them and makes it financially difficult for them. So you bring two people together, they fall in love, one has a disability, they're getting uh, government benefits, they get married, suddenly their government benefits go away. They're penalized for getting married to someone. Vote wants to get rid of these contradictions and and penalties for people to get married within government. He believes marriage is a good, healthy foundation for us to raise the future of America, and so we should be getting rid of the things in government that penalize people from getting married, including the tax penalty built into marriage. When you get married, your taxes go up. What an awful thing that we should be incentivizing people getting married and fathers taking responsibility for their families. What a horrible thing. At least according to the media, that's a horrible thing. The fact of the matter is what the media is doing is they're peddling more and more blatantly this idea that if you are a person of faith, you're not allowed to be guided by your faith. The problem here is I write in my new book, secularism itself has become a new faith. And what's going on here is that members of the media who tend to be secular atheists worship their own gods, which tend to be themselves and their idol worship. And they do not want a competing religion in the town square. Christianity says, glorify God in all that you do. And secular atheism says glorify yourself in all that you do, which explains the rise of transgenderism and other cult of personalities based on self. They don't want a competing religion that actually says you got to take care of your family because the left, I mean, my gosh, look at them and what's happened with societal collapse under them. Uh, How dare we elect people who believe that men should take care of their families and owe some responsibility for keeping society together? What a bad thing that would be, I guess. That apparently is Christian nationalism, and if that is... I'm all on board. Welcome, it is Eric Erickson here, the phone number, 877-973-7425. Let's go to Nate, who's been waiting patiently. Nate, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Good, what's going on? Uh, So question for you, you know, you talked earlier about how, you know, the corporate media, the the message has gone out, you know, get rid of Joe Biden. So as you discussed before, you know, Kamala's the backup and no one wants
1: her so, I mean, what is, are they being myopic? You know, they force Biden out. You know, how do they prevent
0: the all-out civil war? What's what's the corporate media's plan for that? Oh, you know, I, I honestly, I think they're in panic mode and they don't have one. Um, it, that's what it strikes me as. I, I will tell you from some of the pieces I read over the weekend, uh, what they what they whisper privately to each other is that if Joe Biden released his delegates, it would be an open convention. They, they wouldn't, if he just released his delegates, they wouldn't automatically go to Kamala Harris. So if you convince him to leave and he doesn't endorse Kamala, then the Democratic Party elders can do a poll tested focus group approved candidate selection search and say, this is the guy we think is best likely to win. We'll go with him. Uh, notice I say he because inevitably I suspect uh, where they would go is a guy like Andy Bashir of Kentucky, uh, who won a uh, conservative state as a progressive Democrat, but related to people as a moderate, even though he's not. Um, some of them want Gretchen Whitmer of, of Michigan. Well, what I find notable is, despite all the chatter about Gavin Newsom behind the scenes, every Democrat I talk to says he's too progressive, uh, that it, it, it would be a disaster for the Democrats to run him, and and that Newsom doesn't get it. He's high on his own supply, but everybody else does. Uh, Kamala, though, I I think they're underestimating Kamala Harris. A, a reporter I talked to who covers this for the, uh, the New York Times told me that any Democrat who says it's not Kamala Harris is pretty delusional because, one, Joe Biden would absolutely throw his delegates her way, and two, uh, she's got the legitimacy claim and could galvanize black women for her cause. And I think he's probably right in saying that. One of the groups fighting Joe Biden and his ridiculousness on the uh, natural gas export ban or uh, LNG ban and the like is Americans for Prosperity. I want to talk to you on, on a very personal level about Americans for Prosperity from my vantage point. Right now in my state, school choice is before the state legislature and Americans for Prosperity is going door to door in the districts of persuadable Republicans, trying to let their voters know about the issue to get them to call their member of the state legislature to support school choice. They've got billboards around the state. It's one of the things they do, not just in my state, but in every state. That's how they fight. They raise awareness. They train activists to go door-to-door, neighbor-to-neighbor, convincing their friends and family to get on the phones, to go to state legislatures, to go to local uh, city councils. It's what they do, and they're really good at it, and they want you on their team. If you go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K, you can sign up with Americans for Prosperity, learn how to be a highly effective conservative activist, to put points on the board for free markets, for free people, for families, americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson. I'm a professional, and I looked at the clock and misread it, and I put something in my mouth, and I'm chewing it. Yeah, I'm a real professional, folks. I'm also sick. Hang on. Mm. Sorry, I'm trying to clear my throat. So i got this stupid sinus infection. My throat is so sore and so raw, and I'm like sucking on cold stuff and drinking water, trying to not cough into the microphone with you guys. Now, I got to, so this is how much Philip listens to the program that he, Works for and that pays his salary. <laughs> Charlie, you got Charlie. You are gonna love this one. So, um, Sunday the guys are over, and I um I make pizza, make cinnamon rolls. It was a carb fest on Sunday night. I don't even have a cigar. I'm dealing with all of this this garbage in my my head and my throat, and I'm pass on the cigar. Uh, but I'm talking about this woman who. Got uh, $50,000 taking advantage. is like swindled on a $50,000, and I'm explaining the story. He's like, what are you talking about? It's like, dude, I've talked about the story twice on radio in the past week.
1: <laughs> but
0: I'm also mindful many of you may have no idea what I'm talking about, despite me having talked about it twice. But there's a, a method to the madness, even for those of you who know what I'm talking about, unlike certain people who are in my employ. You got to listen to this because it's to a larger issue. Now, there's a financial writer. Her name is Charlotte Cowles. She writes for The Cut, which is a described as a lifestyle and women's interest publication for New York Magazine. Since 2016, She's written My Two Cents, a column responding to reader questions about personal finance, saving money, creating budgets, and other topics, including how to avoid scams. But last year on Halloween, she found herself on the other end of the exchange, her seeming expertise not preventing her from falling victim to a complex scheme that resulted in her giving a scammer much of her life savings. It started with a call from someone claiming to be from Amazon. She writes, a polite woman with a vague accent told me she was calling from Amazon customer service to check some unusual activity on my account. Caller ID backed up the claim. When have you ever gotten a call from Amazon? The Amazon rep asked her if she'd recently purchased $8,000 worth of Apple products, cows hadn't. And she even checked her recent orders to confirm as much. The woman on the line who called herself Krista told her Amazon had a record of two accounts, one personal, one business. Cowles said she didn't have a business account. The columnist with Krista from Amazon support determined it was fraud. It's been so pervasive. The company was working with a liaison from the Federal Trade Commission and was referring defrauded customers to him, something the FTC does not do. Krista asked Cowles if Krista could connect Cowles with the FTC agent who identified himself as Calvin Mitchell, an investigator with the FTC. He provided her a badge number, gave her a callback number, and even claimed the phone call was being recorded. He had the last four digits of her social security number, her home address, and her date of birth. I'm glad we're speaking, he told her. She's been embroiled in international crime. He told me 22 bank accounts, nine vehicles, and four properties were registered in my name. The bank accounts had wired more than $3 million overseas, mostly to Jamaica and Iraq. He sent her an image of a woman's ID, which he said was found near the Mexico border, in a car rented under her name with blood and drugs in the trunk. The man told her she was being charged with cyber crimes, drug trafficking, and money laundering in both Maryland and Texas. I Googled my name along with Warren and money laundering, but nothing came up. Were arrest warrants public? I wasn't sure. Google led me to Truthfinder, which wanted my credit card information, so I didn't give it to him. <laughs> the stranger on the other end of the line told her not to tell a soul, including her family, because everyone's a suspect. He then transferred her to a colleague at the CIA and wished her good luck. The next man who got on the line had a deeper voice and a British accent, flecked with something I couldn't identify. His name was Michael Serrano. The person on the line told her not to tell anyone about the conversation, including her husband. You're being investigated for major federal crimes. By keeping your husband out of this, you're protecting him. Never mind that there's a marriage exception where your spouse cannot testify against you in any court of law in the country. Michael warned her not to contact a lawyer (coughs) because she would be deemed non-cooperative and threatened her home would be raided by authorities they can't. Tell you not to seek a lawyer. And if you are anyone in charge of advising people about scams, that should have been a red flag. Her brother and a best friend were lawyers. She was scared to talk to them. He warned her that her assets would be frozen and she would need to survive using cash for upwards of a year. He urged her to go to the bank and withdraw as much money as the family would need. She calculated $50,000. The woman behind thick glass window raised her eyebrows, disappeared, came back with $100 bills, counted them out. Pushed the stacks. The CIA agent praised her. She took the cash she received, put it in a shoebox, and readied it for an undercover agent to come by. The federal government would issue her a check for the full amount that was clean. A white Mercedes SUV pulled up to the curb. The back window will open. Don't look at the driver. Talk to him. Put the box through the window. Say thank you. Go back inside. After the driver left, she realized she'd been had. I relate to this story to you because I need to explain to you what is happening. The elite in this country, and I would say that someone who writes for New York Magazine, an advice column on finances is one of the elite, one of our social betters, a good progressive, has been scammed It's not just her, Corey Doctorow, who is famous in tech circles. Uh, Another member of the elite, he too has been similarly swindled out of cash. And so what's happening? The media is circling the wagons, saying if it can happen to one of these super smart people, it could happen to you. Friends, never say never, but if someone called me from amazon.com, a company that never calls anyone and is almost impossible yourself to get on the phone, and tells me someone's been buying all this stuff out of my account, I know how to log into my account and check my orders to see if it's true. And when they refer me to the FTC, I know this is something that the FTC does not handle. And when the FTC forwards me to the CIA, which tells me don't talk to my lawyer, I know that's something legally in this country they're not allowed to tell me to do because... No, not because I went to law school, but because I watch Law & Order, as do a lot of Americans. The elite are are having a moment in this country. They keep screwing up. Did you know Bloomberg reported over the weekend, it turns out all you conspiracy theorists about the vaccine were right. Although the number is very small, yes, there are cases of um, blood clots, brain inflammation, and heart inflammation, and muscle fatigue, with the COVID vaccine, something that YouTube would delete your account for saying only a year or two ago. And the elite are having a hard time processing. In fact, they're attacking Bloomberg for revealing the truth. The number's small, not nearly as large as a lot of people would want to claim, but it's still there. I mean, we've already known that myocarditis was a side effect. All this study does is confirm it. The elite are having a moment. The problem here is that so much of the elite are not, they're not earned. they, they, They don't earn their credentials. They know someone. Look at some of the talking heads in the media that Taylor Lawrence girl who writes for the Washington Post. She only got her job because she was connected through her family. Molly Youngfast, the talking head, uh, progressive activist, same thing. It's parental connections get these people, their positions, and they are elevated uh, into the elite. And then some of them get exposed uh, as, as not very bright people themselves. And suddenly it could happen to all of us because it happens to the elite. There's a story out over the weekend that the mass number of children suffering despair over climate in this country. Why are they suffering despair? Because their parents are scaring them, because the elite are scaring them, because the elite are all worked up about hysterical issues related to climate change. And now suddenly, after all the elite bellyaching about us needing to get electric vehicles to this country, it turns out people are not getting electric vehicles. This is from CNN.
2: So 1.2 million uh, electric vehicles were sold in 2023. That was a record, but that's just 10% of the overall market. And then you have, as I mentioned, U.S. automakers lagging behind in terms of sales for the foreign automakers. You also have a situation where electric vehicles are incredibly expensive. They're like a luxury vehicle over $50,000 for an electric vehicle on average, compared to all other cars, $48,000. So that is an investment by the consumer also it's very difficult to charge an electric vehicle these days. There's not a lot of charging ports, even here in New York City and across the country. So it really limits consumers from being able to take these long cross country trips that they wanna take. This is an opportunity perhaps by the EPA and the Biden administration to allow for the U.S. automakers to try to position themselves a little bit better here in the U.S. for consumers.
0: If you've listened to this program for the last three years, I've been pointing these issues out, and the elite have mocked and scoffed any of us who pointed it out. And yet, you know, the markets don't lie here. The average price of an EV is fifty thousand. Every other car combined, the average price that from the luxury gas burning car to the cheapest combined, the average price works out to forty eight thousand. Most people are buying twenty thirty thousand dollar cars. Some even cheaper. Uh, it is hard to charge them, and in cold weather, it actually is even worse. I saw a new EV is coming out that has the ability to shake off snow and ice. Literally, the body of the car shakes off snow and ice, and guess what? That car also comes with a warning that in cold weather, its battery doesn't work as well. The elite in this country keep screwing things up. They screwed up healthcare issues. They've screwed up societal issues. They put boys on girl sports. Have you all heard about the the— Um, Massachusetts school, the basketball team, where the boy played as a girl, injured three girls. The team had so many serious injuries from the one boy that they forfeited the game. They had to forfeit the game. They made the girl team, the all-girl team, forfeit the game to the team that had the boy play the girl. And the elite are perfectly fine with it. Americans are starting to realize that the elite have not earned their positions. They have, to some degree, inherited their positions. It's based on who they knew, not what they were able to accomplish They were able to get into these positions and now they're exposing themselves for being blithering idiots. I'm sorry. I have a hard time believing. That if someone from Amazon called me and referred me to the FTC who referred me to the CIA who told me to go withdraw $50,000 in cash and put it in a shoebox and throw it through the window of a car, I, I just don't think that I would do that. And the fact that the reaction from the Washington Post and the New York Times and the talking heads on TV is No, no, no. If it's an elite person that it would happen to, it would happen to you as well. No, I don't think so. I think that's just a matter of the elite exposing themselves as frauds and not as fully competent as they claimed. And the media has invested so much in putting these people into positions of power and notoriety. They got to circle the wagon instead of saying, actually, you know what? Some of these people are pretty stupid. It is this progressive push towards credentialism. You're not allowed to comment without a credential. You and I can say there is a sex binary because there's either the XX or the XY, but we don't have a credential, so they won't listen to us. Instead, they go on and say, no, actually, it's a panoply. It's an entire scope of sexes, and gender is the same as sex, and I have the credentials from the Ivy League degree in feminism and victim studies. Therefore, you must listen to me. And the people with common sense are the ones who continue to rack up the profits in society because the elites are too stupid and have just completely invested in their own BS. And yet the rest of us get badgered, bullied, and harassed for not actually believing what the elites say. And we can just point to, well, these stories where they keep getting taken advantage of and they keep getting exposed as liars. So why should we believe an inherited class of elite who didn't actually earn the position. They got it because mommy and daddy were well-connected. Now, you also see this in banking and finance. I got some swag from Old Glory Bank today, uh, and you should go use them. Why? Because Old Glory Bank is a conservative bank. That uh, came about because of all the woke trends in finance in this country, including debanking of gun owners and, and gun stores and stuff like that. If you're a gun owner, gun store operator, gun manufacturer, you're a conservative businessman, you're a conservative period, you should do business with old glory. I do. It is my bank. I have a check-in and a savings account with them. You can too, eight minutes or less. You can go to oldglorybank.com, oldglorybank.com. Sign up, get one for your kids. There are no fees on the checking and savings accounts. So like I know with my kids, they don't get a lot of money, their allowance and stuff, but they can put it at the old glory bank and they're not going to get, their money's not going to get taken by bank fees. You can even deposit cash at 85,000 retail locations around the country, including the CVS next to my house, and get it put in your Old Glory Bank account. It's phenomenal. They've got great online budgeting tools. They do mortgages, VA, FHA, conventional. It is a real bank, oldglorybank.com. It is my bank. I love them. You will, too. Designed by conservatives for conservatives to fight the debanking trends in this country. Checking, savings, no fees. Oldglorybank.com takes you eight minutes or less to get an account online online. OldGloryBank.com. Terms and conditions apply. Member FDIC, equal housing lender.
1: This podcast is sponsored by TalkSpace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and TalkSpace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at TalkSpace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With TalkSpace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. At Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com.
0: Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the country. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you're on the phones and see Matt has been patiently waiting, I want to get to Matt's call, but I only have about a minute. He's been holding for a while. It'd be a great disservice to him if I try to take his call here with only about a minute to go. Um, But I will take your phone calls. Be patient. Y'all are helping me out as my voice. Uh, ugh, y'all, I, I will be fine. The steroids and the antibiotics are just, I just, I hate, I so rarely get sick. I was going to like talk about it this weekend, but my buddy David, his wife would harass me for complaining about my man flu. It's not that bad. I just, anyway, all right, we're going to move on. We, we, we got, we got other stuff to talk about, including, uh, this from, um, Fawny Willis, the, Attorney, the district attorney, she went to church, she had, well, this to say.
2: This is a really hard job I'm trying to do. And I am an imperfect human being, but I can literally feel the people who loves me's prayers. If just every now and again, you'll throw my name in a prayer.
0: Now, I talked about uh, the complaints about Christian nationalism earlier. Here is this woman going to a church. Doing a, It is a, a politically charged event, uh, and where are the calls about Christian nationalism and church-state separation, all that? You notice, uh, particularly within the black community, it always gets a pass, no matter what it is. Uh, and her continuing to go on stages and talk about this case, I think, is another reason to take her off the case. Um, I think the judge needs to take her off the case. We'll talk more about that when we come back.